Thanks for listening to The Real Life Podcast. If you live in the Erie area, we invite you to join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or live on Facebook and YouTube by searching Real Life Assembly. Now, here's this week's message. You see, and here's the first truth that I want you to understand with me this morning. To get where you want to be, you first have to understand where you are. You see, the whole idea of reference points is that you have to understand, first of all, where you are. That's the only way that you're going to find direction to be able to get ultimately to where you are. I mean, I want you to think about this with me for just a moment. You see, as long as we have just two reference points, you can get to anywhere in the world today. All you need are two reference points, and you can find anywhere in the world. In fact, right now, those of you in this room, you are sitting at 42 degrees north latitude and 80 degrees west longitude. It doesn't matter where you would start in the world. If I gave you just those two reference points, you would find yourself to this spot this morning. But that's not the total truth. Although you need those reference points, how many know you need something else? You see, the truth to to be able to get from where you are to where you need to be is that you have to understand there's got to be a universal starting point. There's got to be something that, that keeps this whole system in order. Now, in the geography of our world, we call that the prime meridian. That's the zero spot. So although we can throw out numbers like, yeah, 42 degrees uh, longitude and, and, and 80 degrees latitude and all those kind of things, I mean, they really don't mean much if there isn't a universal starting point. How many are tracking with me? It all has to be based on everything works as long as the main thing works. Now, you and all, together, we have a prime meridian as well. It's located 37 degrees latitude and about 50 degrees longitude. Every one of you have it. It's the universal starting point for every human. It's right here. It's your heart. You see, the only way that you're going to get from where you are to ultimately to where you need to be is to understanding that your universal guide is what God put inside of every one of us. Now, not necessarily our physical heart that we're talking about today. We're talking about our spiritual heart. We're talking about the idea to get the instruction, to get the direction from what God put inside of you. You see, we've all taken some wrong roads. We've all took the wrong fork in the road at some point in our journey. Anybody can say, yeah, I've taken a few of those. We've all not sure of our direction, and oftentimes we've followed our heart. How many can say that our heart has led us and guided us to the perfect journey every single time in our life? Well, we know that's not true, right? The truth is, is that unless we have the correct starting point, it's going to be very difficult to find the path that God has for us today. You see, we put that heart symbol on so many things that we love. It speaks of purity, speaks of care, of expression, of passion, and good, right? That's what we think about when we think about our hearts. 
But I want you to hear the words of Jeremiah as he speaks about what he was able to prophesy and look about, about this very same issue where people were in need of direction in their life. We read this in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. For the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Now, how many think, like, I'm not sure Jeremiah would be the lead writer for Hallmark Cards in this moment, right? I don't think he's going to sell out, like, here's the Jeremiah collection, right? Your heart is messed up. Like, your heart is going to lead you into all kinds of hurt and calamity. Love, Pastor Jim, right? Why does Jeremiah write after all this conception or misconception that we have about how we get to where we want to be. Well, certainly, doesn't our heart lead us into those kind of things? Let me give you a little background, and then we're going to kind of come full circle back to this verse in Jeremiah chapter 17. So after the reign of King David, where he really united the kingdom of Israel, and man, things were just firing on all kinds of cylinders, he passes the kingdom over to Solomon, and Joss talked a little about him a couple of weeks ago. And although he was very wise and did a lot of great things, at the end of his life, he kind of really lost it. And he lost the kingdom. And right after the reign of Solomon, Israel, what we know as a, a singular nation, almost like America's civil war, blew off into two factions that became known as Judah and Israel. And Jeremiah was a prophet who God sent to speak to the tribe of Judah. They, they consisted of some of what was originally Israel. And at this time, Amon was the king that was leading Judah. But he led the people into all kinds of sin and rebellion against God. If you have your Bible or if you want to look at it, we'll be looking at Life Group this week. It's in 2 Kings chapter 21. So I'm going to read a, a, a number of passages from 2 Kings to you this morning. So Amon was 22 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem for two years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord as did his father Manasseh. And they worshipped false idols. His father had set up and they had worshipped and bowed down to them. He forsook the Lord, the God of his ancestors, and he did not walk in obedience to him. Now this was a king over God's people. You see, a lot of times our heart can be influenced by those around us. How many say yes? Sometimes for the good, that's awesome. But truthfully, sometimes for the bad as well. The power of influence, the, the power sometimes of legacies that have gone wrong. So Amon is just leading the people into all kinds of sin and rebellion away from the things of God. It got so bad in verse 23 that Amon's officials conspired against him and assassinated him in the palace. And then they made Josiah, his son, king in his place. Now, the only challenge about this story is, is that Josiah is only eight years old at the time. I mean, could you imagine, like, they would rather, things were so horrible and bad the way Amon was leading them, that they're like, even this eight-year-old would be better than the guy that we've had. How many think, man, things had to have been pretty bad in Judah at the time? But because we don't believe in generational curses to those who are of the household of God, Josiah made a choice. Everybody say a choice. 
Josiah made a choice to break away from his father's lineage, and he began to model his life after his spiritual father, King David, several generations behind. 2 Kings 22 says, Josiah reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he followed completely the ways of his father, King David, spiritual father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. So there's a major shift that has taken place in Judah. The people were being led into all kinds of sin and rebellion and wrong against God. But something changed when Josiah made a choice. Things were horrible in the surroundings and in the cities around Jerusalem and Judea. There was so much sin and wickedness. In fact, the Bible tells when you read the story that Josiah's grandfather, we mentioned his name a moment ago, Manassas. The Bible said of Manassas that the blood of innocent people ran through the streets of Jerusalem like a flood. Anything that was in opposition to him, anything that people were doing that he did not agree with, he slaughtered them until their blood ran like a river through Jerusalem's street. This was Josiah's legacy. But Josiah made a choice that this no longer would be him or to his family. He chose the right direction. And with this choice, everything began to turn around, not only for him, but all of Israel. You see, there are moments in your life where we don't know where to go. We have been damaged by some of the decisions that not only we have been made, but but have been made around us as well. Our heart has followed at times the, the wrong direction. We've had the wrong intention. And we find ourselves, or we wake up in a moment like you have, like I have, and we've asked the question, how did we get here? How did things go so horribly wrong? You see, the only way to get from where you are to where you want to be is having the right reference points. It's to understand, I can get, and I want you to understand hope today in the power of God's word, because there is nothing, do you hear me today, church? There is nothing that is overshadowing your life today that the power of Jesus Christ cannot deliver you, direct you, redeem you, and put a crown on your head to know that you are made whole by the power and by the truth of his word over your life. There is hope for every one of us today. There is a direction to get out of where you have been, where you have been lumbering in the the mud and the muck, that there is a place that God has wanting to redeem you and God is wanting to place you today. But you've got to follow his direction. Listen, it's not intention we've talked about, but it is direction that leads to the right destination. So here's a couple of lessons that we learn from Josiah today. First of all, Josiah charts a course by way of verified reference points. You see, it's not a matter that you believe something. You've got to believe the right thing. Hello? We are living in a world and a culture today where as long as you believe, you're okay. As long as what you believe is okay, no one can say anything about you. The, 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 the work of absolute truth today is going out the window. The fact is, is that we're okay with people as long as they believe something. 
But the flawed truth in all of that is that simply intention that's not truth. There is absolute truth. And that's what Josiah made the choice. You see, his first priority, when he looked at Jerusalem and everything was destroyed by his father and his grandfather, he made a priority to rebuild the temple. Now, it's a little bit different in Israel's history compared to the way you and I do church today. And so really, what, what Josiah was representing on a national level, I want to challenge you here on your individual level. When you feel lost, when you feel confused, when you're not where you need to be, listen church, the first thing that we need to do is rebuild this temple, this house, this heart that God abides in. Somebody say yes. That's the reference point. This is the prime meridian. When everything is going crazy in your life, where do I begin, Pastor Jim? You begin with your heart. You begin with who is ruling, who is reigning, who is seated in your heart. You see, the temple had been destroyed by his father and his grandfather. No longer were they looking for people or to to have the people to, to seek God. It was all about them as being the king and the leader. About worshiping other gods and other, bringing in all kinds of outside influence. So as they were digging through the rubble, someone found the original scrolls. The actual words of God, the book of the law. And the Bible says that Josiah, he weeped and he ripped his clothes. He ripped his robe and he fell down into the ash and cried heartily as the the power and the word of God was found amidst all of the rubble. You see, if you want to find the right path, you have got to prioritize your spiritual hearts. I guess what I'm asking all of us here grown up today is that you just have to be honest. You have to be honest. After everything was broken and falling apart and destroyed, when Josiah found the word of God, he fell down, he collapsed, he cried, like here's my reference point. Here's what's going to help me get from where we are to where God wants us to be. Listen, if you and I aren't using God's word as a reference point every day in our life, there is a great chance that we are going to find ourselves off course. Hello? Josiah found God's truth that was buried under a pile of rubble. I want to ask the question, does that sound like anybody you know today? Listen, I know that we can know about the things of God. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about do you really know the presence and the power of God in your life? Is it current? Is it fresh? Is the fire raging in your spirit this morning? Or have we allowed some of the things in this life to bury? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, no one lights a light, puts a candle on a hillside and then covers it. When we were little kids, we used to sing a song about putting a bushel, right, over the lights. But now we're grown-ups, but I really want to ask the question, is there some rubble? Hello? Are there some things that are thwarting the fire and the light that God truly wants to have burning in your heart? Come on, what's the answer to that, church? Yeah, thank you. Yes, 
You see, you can't get where you are to where you want to be without being honest. Hello? And the first thing that Josiah did was to realize we found the word of God. No longer can it be buried. No longer can it be covered up by the sin and by the the culture that is around us. It is what drives everything else. My question today is what is our prime meridian? What is the center of your soul or your spirit? What is your heart being guided by? A lot of people think, well, our heart is guided by love. It's by emotion. But how many know that love will lie to you? That love has lied to you. Sometimes our heart is guided by hurt. We have been hurt in this life. And so when we try to go into another relationship or we try to move into the things that God has for us, we resist because out of fear, what? Of being hurt again. And so hurt like a a prison cell keeps us from accepting and, and moving into everything that God ultimately, we can't get where God wants us because our heart is being driven by hurt. Maybe it's culture or influence. Man, such, such key words we're, we're living in today. People are wanting to be influencers. And there are people that are wanting to be influenced by influencers that are doing all kinds of wild and crazy things all over the world. When is it going to be that the church of Jesus Christ is truly going to be the influence that God has set it up to be? You see, it's not intention. It is direction. In 2 Kings chapter 23, so Josiah finds the book of the law and he calls all of the people, all of the elders together. It says, I call you from the least to the greatest to come back to the altar, to come back to church. My father and my grandfather had abandoned this place. It was broken down. It was rubble. There were cobwebs all over the place, but no longer. Somebody saying, thank God for a spirit of Josiah that says no longer. If we're going to get from where we are to where we need to be, the power of the altar, the power of the presence of God must be restored among his people. And so he read in their hearing all of the words of the book of the covenant. And I think about it. We're hearing about these wars and people around the world today that don't have access like you and I have today. That was Israel in this moment. And Josiah opens up the Bible and he begins to read that which was found in the temple of the Lord. Verse 3 of chapter 23. It says, and the king stood by the pillar, which is really important because what was the pillar in the Old Testament tabernacle, in the temple. It was like our altar. It was a reference point. I know some of you that are maybe younger or newer to church, unlike some of us that have been around, you might hear us use that word altar a lot because in our growing up days, everything that happened in our life spiritually happened at an altar. I mean, whether it was here at the front of, of, of our church building or whether there was a, a sacred place that, that we represented in our house. But we know that, that this altar made a place that God was here to meet with his people. There was a, a coming out of the pews. There was a movement on behalf of his people. There was a pillar that says that's a rock. That's a reference point that God's power and God's presence is going to meet me when I get up from where I am and get to where he is. You see, that's what Josiah 
was revealing to the people. There was a reference point to get you from where you are to where you needed to be. And so he read to them from the word. And there in the midst of the covenant, the presence of God was unveiled. They committed to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments, his statutes, his decrees with all of their heart and all of their soul. Confirming the words that were written in the book. And all of the people pledged to themselves the covenant as well. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. The first thing that Josiah did was that he charted a course by way of verified reference points. Listen, we're not here to razzle-dazzle you at real life. We're here to tell you you need Jesus, amen? We're here to tell you that the power of God's word is the only thing that's going to sustain you when the, the storm is raging around you. We want you to know that there is a pillar in this church today where we believe the power of God can be unleashed in your soul and in your spirit today. That we as God's people don't have to be hesitant to run to the altar, to lay ourselves down at the altar. Because we know there is a reference point that God by his mighty power is going to move on his people. That God is going to heal me. God is going to deliver me. God is going to give me spiritual sight and insight into some of the calamity that's going on in my life. Second thing, Josiah removes the interference. Debbie and I, we drove to Florida for these last couple of weeks, and before we left, I, uh, I re-upped my, my uh, subscription to my satellite radio in my truck. I'm a big kind of talk radio junkie, and just kind of hearing what's happening in the world. We're going to be on the road for like 16, 17 hours. Like, I want things that are going to occupy my mind and hear what's going on in the world. And, and the struggle with just standard radio on a drive that's 1,100 miles long is what? That radio signal only lasts for so long. And then you get what? Static. Right? And then you get into the hills of West Virginia or North Carolina and you can't find anything. And so I knew, listen, if we're going to get a clear signal all the way, I need satellite radio. I need to get waves that are coming from the heavens that are, are not going to be challenged by my current situation. Hello? You see, when we read through chapter 22, in the next verses from 4 through 15, Josiah goes through all of the things that his father and his grandfather brought on the people of Judah, about all the things that had to get cleared away, all the clutter that had filled up the temple. He says, I had to remove the articles by the false god Baal. I had to move and remove the idolatrous priests that my father had set in place. I had to burn the Asherah poles. I had to tear down the wicked places. I went from neighborhood to neighborhood burning down the heathen altars that were set up in the neighborhoods. I slaughtered priests who were making human sacrifices to heathen gods. There were mediums and there were spiritualists. He said, I put them all away. You see, what was happening is that his father and grandfather had allowed all kinds of interference to come in to the place, into the house of God, and people no longer had a direct signal to God. Listen, I want to challenge you one more time. I want you to think with me this morning. What are the things that are causing interference in our relationship with God? 
How hot is the fire? You say, well, pastor, come on, you're laying it on pretty strong today. I thought you were away on vacation. We were expecting like, we were just expecting this like, hey, everyone, let's just love everyone today. And like you're springing straight fire. Like what's going on? This is why I can't go away for two weeks, all right? I want to challenge you this morning. Like how hot is the fire? Or how much interference are you allowing in your heart that's blocking out the signal? Do you know that God wants to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think in your life? Yes? Has God stopped any of that desire? No. Have we allowed possible interference? Maybe it's unbelief, hello? Maybe it's some sin? Maybe it's some personal agenda. Maybe it's just lack of passion. I mean, the list could go on and on. You see, I want to challenge you before you leave here this morning that we've got to renew some reference points in our life. And so there's some powerful things that are taking place that are happening in Judah. But then the unthinkable happens. Egypt comes for war. And the Pharaoh lines up all of the people. And so Josiah goes out thinking, man, God's done some really big things for, for us. This is just going to be another, another miracle, another victory. But as he goes out to meet the warring leader of Egypt, it's a trick and it's a trap. And they kill Josiah. They kill him before the battle even begins. And now we're getting to really the full circle of Jeremiah 17. And so the people of Judah... They mourn and they grieve for Josiah, but they make Jehoahaz king in his stead. And verse 32 says this, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, just as his predecessors had done. He was 25 when he became king and he reigned for 11 years, and all he did was evil in the eyes of the Lord. You see, it's in this moment that as God is sending Jeremiah to navigate all that is taking place in Judea. That Jeremiah writes these words. You see, I know you might be questioning, as I did when we read these kind of passages, is just simply the question, how? I mean, how is there evil and wrong that is going on for years, and then Josiah comes into the kingdom as a young boy, but filled with his heart and desire to serve and to love God. And he blows up all the things that were wrong and renites and does everything that is right and good. And people rally and say, yes, yes, this is what we want. Only that the moment that Josiah dies, they flip-flop back to their old evil ways. If you're human today, I don't think you're confused about how or why that happens. Hello? Why? Because we're human. And this is just on a super large stage today. And Jeremiah sees this tragic flip happen. And he says the heart is deceitful above all things. Beyond cure, who can understand it? When I read this chapter, when you read, I mean, again, my first thing, I want to say, how, how is this possible? But then I realize the challenge of my own heart and your heart. 
where there have been moments where we've said, God, I'll, I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. I'll serve you. I'll be in the house of the Lord. They need kids to work. I'll work with kids. We need tithe. We need, we need to, to pay for this. I'm going to give. There's a project. There's a ministry. Center. I'm going to serve. I'm going to go. But be honest about where you're at today. Think back to the promises that you made to God, the life that you lived at one part, and compare that with where you are living today. Listen, there may be some of you that have far exceeded it, like you're just, you're just rocket launching from that, but my real truth for most of us today is, is that we have allowed things to interfere with the passion that we once had in serving Jesus. My education in humanity says today that we are not where we used to be. Hello? So how do I get from where I am to where I need to be? It's reference points. There are things that I have to call back into my spirit, back into my spiritual heart that is going to move me into the things. You see, what Jeremiah is saying is that your heart just doesn't simply lie. Your heart is deceptful. You say, well, pastor, what's the difference? You see, being deceitful is that it purposely, you know, sometimes we lie. I mean, that's the word for it. We don't really intend. We're not, we're not really looking to harm people by that. We, we sometimes shade the truth a little bit, right? Guys, when your wife says, Does this, do these jeans make me look fat? I mean, we lie. I mean, I mean that's the word for it. I mean, if we want to, like, if we don't want to get hit, right? But we're not being deceitful, right? Are you getting where I'm at? I mean, we're, we're just trying to, like, listen, I don't want to, like, it's not going to be helpful to you or to me in this moment, like, to just flat say it out. But you see, when we think about the big things in life, our heart and its own selfish desires. It's not just trying to, like, make nice. You see, our heart has the ability to kill us. It, it, it dece- you say, Pastor, I, like, how is this possible? Well, here's what I want you to know. You see, how is it that we can find our spiritual compass if our heart is uncalibrated? You see, what is that marker? A number of years ago, I was in Africa, and we were helping to build a church. And, and we contracted with a, a little hut guy that actually had a little welder that could build these metal trusses. And we needed like 15 of them. And the first couple of them, they literally showed up on a donkey and a cart. I, honest to God. That's, that was our delivery truck. And we unloaded the first one and the second one and the third one. And by the time we got to the third or fourth one, we realized that, that the boards were not lining up anymore, that none of the holes matched. And so we had to run down to the fabricator and say, you got to stop. Like, there's, there's an issue or there's a problem. And it wasn't long for us, especially in America, that I had some contractors with me that were able to identify right away what the problem was. So they draw out, and David's probably seen this a million times, they draw out with chalk on a concrete slab all of the angles of the trusses that, that 
need to be made. And so they make the first one. Now, realizing that they're making it out in an outdoor yard and on a concrete slab with rudimentary tools, you got to assume that it's not going to be exacting. Yes? I mean, like, like it would be in one of our American factories in a, in a jig, in a mold. But rather than making the following ones and trying to speed up production, putting it into whatever rudimentary mold that they had, they just laid the second one down and started putting steel on top of that to use as a template. And then the third one and the fourth one, well, how many know simply if you're a half an inch off on the second one, you're probably going to be three quarters off on the third one and an inch off on the fourth one and two inches off on the fifth one, and it just moves that way. And so when we got the fifth or sixth truss and nothing was matching up or lining up, it's because they weren't lining up to the original. Because it was uncalibrated. And what I want you to hear to me is you see when our heart gets overloaded, when we are away from the things, when we are filled with interference and we wonder, you see the question that we all have asked in our life is how did I get here? That's the honest question this morning. How did this happen? You see, we're not talking big maneuvers. More times than not, hear me, in your spiritual life, it happens more incrementally, oftentimes undetectable in the moment. That's why we often say, how did I get here? Because the move most often is just a little choice, hear me today, a little choice away from the direction that you know you need to go. I would imagine most of us in here, we're not full, uncompromised people. We're not looking to take big jumps into things and into areas that we know that we shouldn't be going, the things we shouldn't be doing. However, many people are okay with just a little bit. But by the time that gets replicated again and again and again, it was when finally somebody said, how did I get here? See, let me talk to you really specifically this morning. Your marriage isn't suffering because of one big issue. Hello? Your spiritual life isn't lacking power and significance because of just one discipline you're ignoring. God doesn't feel distant just because you failed to pray last night. Are you tracking with me today? So what do we do when the world has turned upside down? When our spiritual life, when I know and I can be honest with myself to say, Pastor, I mean at one point the fire was definitely raging more than it is today. I know I have allowed some things into my heart. My prime meridian has moved. And I want you to think about those trusses because every little choice that is opposite is just going to magnify the mistake further and further. So what is it? Let me give you these truths and I'll be done this morning. How do we get from where we are to where we know we need to be? You see, the first thing I believe is that we need to renew the covenant. 
your salvation experience with God. We have to be open and contrite. David said even through his mistakes, he said a broken and a contrite spirit, God, you will not refuse. Listen, if some of you want to get out of some of the stuff that you're doing, you've got to get to the altar. Somebody say yes. You see, we know a covenant It's an unchanging promise. It's eternal. And God has made that for you. And God can... Some of us, we've said, God, if you you get me out of this, I promise. Hello? God, if if you'll give me this, I I promise. And we make all kinds of wheeling and dealing with God. We've traded our happiness for truth. Most churches want a happy message. They don't want truthful messages. Hello? Hello? Most churches would rather be laughing and having a good time, not kind of quiet like we are today. You see, you got to renew your covenant. Today, I want to challenge you to check in with God. Listen, you don't have to hear it from me. I'm sure the Holy Spirit is way better than me to touch some areas in your life. You see, the first thing that Josiah did was look around and say, why why is it like this? It's because my father and my grandfather, little by little, led us astray. And look where we're at today. But Josiah said, I know how to get out of here. I get to get back to the word. Amen? I get to get back to the covenant. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you today. But God wants to renew some fire in your life. God wants to put a fresh anointing back in your spirit. God wants to let his word come alive in you like it did at one time, like a, like a river of living water that would just bubble and flow out of you. Some of you where the gifts of the Spirit used to, be, used to be second nature to you, where you would know that God could use you at any moment. We know that those moments maybe have long passed. It's time today, church, to challenge you to renew your covenants. Second thing we've talked about already is to remove the clutter. If you want God to speak into your heart, then we need to get the junk out. Somebody say yes. You watch TV programs today. There are programs that are, that are clogged with, with what are called hoarders today. Anybody? And I know that when we watch and you see the TV camera go into that house and it's literally packed from floor to ceiling with junk and it's nasty and there's bugs and there's all kinds of things and there are people that are living inside of that clutter and that filth. Most of our first reaction is that we say, how can people live in that? But the truth, again, that we know but that we don't go any further with is simply to understand this. That all didn't happen overnight. See, the truth of clutter in our spiritual life is that it happens just a little at a time. Just a little at a time. You see, if you ask the Holy Spirit, listen, I need you to shine the spotlight on my heart today. How many know that's a pretty scary endeavor? But if you're honest today, if that's what you desire, then that's our question today. Spirit of God, throw the searchlight of heaven on me. You see, I feel today that people spend more time updating their phone than they do updating their hearts. You're so good at reading labels on the back of products at the grocery store. You spend weeks deciding how many gigs you need in your computer. 
but when's the last time you really asked God to reveal yourself in my heart? When's the last time you asked the Holy Spirit, I'm broken, I'm cluttered, I've hoarded the things of this world in my heart. Listen, maybe nobody else knows about it, but I know about it. I, I paint on the face, I, I go through the motions, but, but my heart is not like it used to be. You see, it's not many times the want as much as it is the why. God, this is my desire. Hebrews 12 says that we should throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Yes? I'm going to ask the band to come and help me. The last thing that I want to challenge you before we go today is that I want you to remember your relationship with Christ. You see, as we begin to remove the clutter, you see, the, the shift to that is that I've got I've to announce Christ in my life. I've got to make this decision to put him first in my life. You see, Josiah not only cleared out the temple, he rebuilt the altar. He set up the pillar of God. The wrong sacrifices, they weren't going to be offered anymore. And here's what we read in verse 23 of 2 Kings. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did. With all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his strength, he walked fully in accordance to the law of Moses. Can I ask this morning, is there a Josiah in the house today? Is there a Josiah at real life this morning? Is there a Josiah that says, listen, I got to stop blaming everything else and I got to realize I'm here because of the decisions and because of the choices that I've made. But man, I am so glad that God refuses to leave me there today. Can you say thank the Lord? That if I make the choice, if I make the choice, everything, everything can change in my life. Listen, some things are going to happen overnight. Some things might take some time. But it's in that purifying process. It's in that pure pruning time that God wants to bring some direction into your soul, engage and into your life.